Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. Today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So NetHealth has created the Redoc Patient Portal, which provides a secure line of communication between you and your patients. You can use it for video conferencing for telehealth, for secure messaging to respond to non-urgent questions from patients. You can share documents and photos. And your patients have 24-7 secure on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voice messages. If you want to learn more about the Redoc patient portal, contact them at redoc, that's R-E-D-O-C, at nethealth.com. Now, on to today's episode, we're going to be talking all about advocacy for the profession of physical therapy, and I couldn't think of a better person to have as my guest to talk about advocacy than the 2020 Doreen Frank Legislative Award winner, which is given to only one person a year by the New York Physical Therapy Association for outstanding work in advocacy, Dr. Teresa Marco. She's a board-certified orthopedic physical therapist and certified early intervention specialist with over 20 years of experience. She's the owner of Marco Physical Therapy, a private practice in New York City, specializing in orthopedics, adolescents, and pediatrics. She has helped thousands of people to overcome injuries, optimize their movement, and return them to work in sport pain-free and better than ever. When she's not caring for patients, Dr. Marco can be found in the legislative offices in Washington, D.C. or Albany. For over five years and hundreds of hours, she has lobbied on behalf of her patients and the profession on topics such as repealing the Medicare cap, reducing student loan debt burden, and lowering co-pays. She forms public policy priorities as part of the APTA's Public Policy and Advocacy Committee, uh, the Advisory Council for the Board of Directors. Her expertise has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Pop Sugar Fitness, Self, Cosmo, Muscle and Fitness, Business Insider, Livestrong, and Healthline. She has spoken at Columbia University, Duke University, and Toro College, and she was recently appointed to the editorial board of Spine Universe as the first and only physical therapist on the board. So what do we talk about today? So today we're talking about her path to advocacy and how you can get involved and why advocacy is so important, the federal bills that are important right now, which includes a 9% cut to Medicare, very important, call your legislator, tell them not to do that, Uh, the difference between state and federal advocacy, how to find your legislators, uh, and uh, uh, find out what Teresa calls armchair advocacy, what key contacts are, social media around advocacy, and so, so much more. So this is a great episode. If you are at all considering getting involved in advocacy efforts, then you're going to want to listen to this whole thing. Teresa gives a lot of really easy ways to get involved. So thanks to Teresa and everyone. Uh, Enjoy. Hey, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thanks for having me, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. And today we're going to be talking all about advocacy. This is one of your specialties. 
So you've been involved in advocacy around the American Physical Therapy Association for the profession of physical therapy for many years. You're a mentor to many up uh, sort of younger physical therapists and physical therapists who've been around for a while but are just new to advocacy. So why don't you give the listeners a little bit more about why this is one of your passions? Sure. So I didn't start out on this path, and this is not something that I thought I would be involved in. Um, there's two main events that kind of propelled me towards this. And, you know, the first is I've been a physical therapist now for about 20 years. So I'm older than I look. And uh, what happened was I started to get some hip and back pain that was pretty substantial, you know, MRIs. Um, they wanted me to get an injection. We were talking about surgery. And unfortunately, the things that I had done to try to rehab myself didn't get me that much better. But I found dry needling. And I found a physical therapist who be, uh, became an acupuncturist, Bianca Baldini, love her to death. And she's a master at dry needling. And I loved what she did. And basically, you know, I had a severe spasm in my obturator internus that was killing me and my hip flexor, and they were fighting. So I loved the needles. They made such an impact in my life. I can now walk around and not feel that pain in my hip and going down my leg every day. And I wanted to use the needles because I loved them so much, but we can't use them in New York. Why? Because it's the law. So that made me upset and I wanted to change the law. And I was really interested in that and why dry needling was such a you know variation from state to state, but it's a state law. So that was something I found out. Then kind of soon after that, or during that time, I also decided to go back and get my transitional DPT. And I took a professional development course and they talked a lot about advocacy and it just dawned on me and I had an aha moment that basically all the things that I didn't like, the, the Medicare plan of care, the authorization, the way that you get like six visits, then four visits, then three visits and get kicked off with some insurances. These things that I had been practicing inside the system for so long that I found so frustrating and so annoying, I realized were because of the law and that they could be changed. And I just decided that one day after taking that class that it was going to be my mission to try to change these laws to make the profession better for me, for those generations coming after me, for our patients, and basically for everyone. And it also dawned on me that legislators in general really don't know what we do. And if no one tells them, they won't know, and they won't make the laws in our favor that will help us, our profession, and our patients. So, you know, whether anyone likes it or not, we all have to operate in, quote unquote, the system. And, you know, that's the government, the democracy, the bureaucracy, the politics. And in order to change that, you have to be involved in advocacy. So that's, that's my why. And the other thing that I'd like to add is, you know, what's the alternative to not say anything, to stand by yourself, to get swallowed up by another profession that has a bigger association and a bigger lobby? Who would be our voice? So if not you, then who? I love it. I love it. And I think that's a great reason to become an advocate for the profession. And, and so often, even when I ask people, why did you get into physical therapy? It's always, you know, you have these aha moments, you have these times in your life where you're like, well, this isn't right. And, mm -hmm. and as you dig deeper, you think, oh, there's actually something I can do about it. I can use my voice. I can speak to my local legislators. I can speak to my, my national or federal legislators. 
And so let's talk about that. So you've got each state has a state government, and then we obviously have our federal government. So how, as a, as a physical therapist, like what's the difference? How do, so we, I, how do we advocate to each of these groups? So when I made that decision that I wanted to become involved in advocacy, it was tough to figure out at first. And that's one of my other passions is trying to help other people figure out the path because the path is not easy. And these things are very frustrating and confusing. So some things to remember that I get asked a lot of questions about are to remember that we have state government and we have federal government. And some of these laws are state laws and some of these are federal laws. So when you look on the APTA's website under advocacy, apta.org uh, backslash advocacy, it'll show you the federal um, bills and the things that we're, you know, constantly fighting for now. And then if you go to your state chapter and they should have hopefully an advocacy page on their, on their website, it'll show you the state laws. So dry needling, as I mentioned before, is a state law, whereas something like making telehealth permanent for the entire country, that's a federal law. So that's kind of, you know, you need to know the difference and like what you want to fight for. Do you want to fight at a federal level? Do you want to fight at a state level? Or do you want to fight at both? Me personally, I think they're intertwined. So I go for both. And there, but there are some laws that are very specific to the state, right? Yes, like direct access. So that's another yes. one, right? Mm -hmm. So direct access is super important. In the state that you and I live in, New York, we have uh, a direct access that allows us 10 visits or 30 days, whichever comes first. So currently on the New York Physical Therapy Association's agenda, we are trying to fight for unrestricted direct access. And that means you don't need a physician's prescription to go see a physical therapist. And again, when we talk about, you know, legislators don't know what we do, Patients also don't know what we do, and I found that out, and that's become another, you know, passion of mine is to get the word out and let society as a whole know what we do, and I repeat myself over and over, no, you don't need the prescription to go see a physical therapist. Look up the direct access law in your state. All states now, all 50, have some form of direct access. Some are a little bit better than others, um, but like I think Texas right now, you can only go see an evaluation and then you have mm -hmm. to get a prescription. Mm -hmm. But that is a state law and that does vary from state to state. Right, so if you are interested in advocacy, I think the bottom line between state and federal is know what your state is fighting for and then know what, what, the, what you're fighting for at the federal level. Which brings me to my next question. And that is, what are the federal bills that are important right now? As we speak, today is Monday, November 2nd. What is important right now? And FYI, as we all know what tomorrow is, tomorrow yeah. is election day. But that being said, what are the bills that the APTA is fighting for right now on the federal level? So there are so many bills, but the two, you know, cream of the crop right now are going to be uh, reversing the 9% cut that CMS, Centers for Medicare Services, has instilled upon the profession that will start January 1st, 2021. And the reason why this is so important, so this is federal, okay, if CMS decides to cut Medicare recipients 9%, that for some businesses is going to be make or break, even with the pandemic, loss of revenue and everything, they might have to close their doors. They might have to stop taking Medicare patients. Medicare patients 
patients will have less access. There'll be less clinics. So that's that's one aspect of it. But here comes the second aspect, you know, of the trickle down possibilities. Whatever Medicare does is generally the precedent for what all the other insurances do as well. So the other insurance will probably start to follow suit. And there you have cutting reimbursement to our profession. Again, more businesses closing, all patients having less places to go, less availability, less access. Uh, through my years of advocacy, one of the phrases that I've come to realize is barriers to care, you know, access to care. There are all these stumbling blocks that make it hard for people to get the services that they need. You know, instead of seeing physical therapy, because it's difficult, you have to get a prescription or you don't only have, you know, six visits, it is easier to go see a physician and get an opioid prescription, things like that. So certain things drive it. So advocacy is intertwined with all these things. So that 9% cut is really important for that reason. And then the other hot button item right now is telehealth. During the pandemic, uh, you know, here in New York City where I live, I shut down for a little while. I know a lot of people did. I didn't have telehealth set up with my practice at that time, but then I, I implemented it, um, you know, in late March. And many people across the country, physical therapy practices did have telehealth. We were not able to use it before for Medicare recipients. CMS applied a waiver allowing us to use it, and it ends when they declare the pandemic over. So there we are going backwards again. So one of the things we're fighting for is to make telehealth permanent, a permanent, um, again, access that people can get in the door and see their physical therapist. And I've used it. I had a patient who she fell down um, and she hurt her foot uh, in the pool. And she said, oh, someone at the um, you know, pool was a, I guess, a personal trainer, no disrespect to them, but they said, oh, it's not broken. And I took one look at it. I said, oh no, your foot's broken. I could just tell. I was like, we need to get you in a boo. We need to go see, you know, get an x-ray. So you know, telehealth is invaluable to people. They can get in immediately the minute they hurt themselves. Um, so making telehealth permanent is really important. Because if we're supposed to be really taking care of the most vulnerable, especially during a COVID pandemic, and the most vulnerable are over 65, it only makes sense to allow those people to have telehealth appointments. Yeah, I mean, also I used it uh, with a patient the other day. She said that she wasn't feeling too well. Out of an abundance of caution, she was going to get a COVID test, mm -hmm. but she opted for a telehealth session. So we switched from an in-person to a telehealth. Mm -hmm. Just like that, same time, same same day. Mm -hmm. She was able to do that. She just didn't want to put me at risk. And I appreciated her watching out for my safety. So during these times, we need that. You know, also people who live in areas where they have to travel far uh, or snow, treacherous conditions do we want people out in these conditions telehealth could be useful for that um, I had a patient who I'm currently treating for her knee she woke up the other day her back was in agony uh, she said oh my goodness my back's hurting I don't know what to do I said let's get on a telehealth we did some gentle movements and some stretching and she said wow by the end of it my back feels much better thank you so much I didn't know that a telehealth session could help that much you know, all I did was show her some things to do, give her some advice. So telehealth is so useful in so many situations that I do hope that we can make it permanent. Yes, so do I. Okay, 
So now we know what federal bill, bills are important. Your state bills, obviously you'd have to go on to uh, the, your state PT association. And like you said before we went on, hopefully there is an advocacy uh, tab within your state uh, physical therapy association website. And that's where you can find out what is uh, on your state legislative docket right now. I mean, we're not going to go through every, all 50 states. So for the people listening out there, that's where you would find it. Am I correct? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Now here's a question. How do we find who our state and federal legislators are? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Teresa's answers. This episode is brought to you by NetHealth, helping you maintain strong relationships with your patients. The Redoc Patient Portal provides a secure line of communication between you and your patients. Conduct virtual visits and have follow-up conversations with your patients via secure messaging when it's convenient for you. Patients have 24-7 secure, on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voice messages. Video conferencing for telehealth, secure messaging, share documents and photos, and view health information and appointments. To learn more, contact them at redoc at nethealth.com. So at a federal level, uh, the APTA makes it so easy for you if you go to the APTA Action app, and that's downloadable in uh, the iStore and also Android. Mm -hmm. And I think you just type in APTA Advocacy, and the app will pop up. And if you're a member or non-member, you can use it. You just I think if you're a non-member, you just type in your um, address, and it will auto-populate all of your legislators. I actually think it does federal and at the state level too. Um, so that's one way, but if you want to do it, you know, without that, you could also, for federal, you could go to govtrack.us, and that would look up your federal legislators, but then at a state level, your state senator and your state house or assembly person, you would have to just probably go to each one's website and uh, look that up. Like in New mm -hmm. York, we have a state assembly and state senator website that you can search it for. So it's not that hard. Okay. Awesome. Very easy. So people, people understand how simple it is, just one click or one uh, downloaded app. So now let's talk about the act of advocacy, right? So we talked about why you wanted to be an advocate, how to find those legislators, um, what bills are on the docket, how do we reach out to advocate? How do we do it? So the traditional way of advocacy is what we call lobbying, and that would be to go in person to have a meeting face to face with your legislator and ask them to do what's called co-sponsor the bill. That means like say for the telehealth, if we have a bill number that has been introduced into the Senate or the House, you would go and you would ask them, would your member of Congress sign on to that bill? And then when you get enough co-sponsors, you can get a vote and that's how the bill can get passed into law. So that's traditional and we can do that both at the federal and the state level. Uh, you could go to your you know, state capital, like here in New York, it would be Albany, we, I could go there. So you can do advocacy, aka lobbying to either one of those. But 
there's some stumbling blocks with that that I found people one are a little bit intimidated to do that Two, it can be far three you have to take off time from work usually because it's only during weekdays you know for me I live in Brooklyn Albany is a hike so it takes a while um, so there are some stumbling blocks with that but that's their traditional way it, it is a really fantastic experience anybody who uh, wants to can come to Washington DC the APTA does have uh, federal advocacy forum every year it's generally in March this year it will be in September because of the centennial but it's pretty exciting to walk the halls of Congress and hopefully you know the country will open back up and we can have those face-to-face -face meetings this year we did those kind of meetings virtual on zoom it was okay but I wouldn't say exactly quite the same energy so that that's the traditional way but here comes my favorite part. I call it armchair advocacy. Literally things you can do while you are just sitting, you know, watching a movie, half watching. So there are things you can do where you can, um, you know, go to the action app. You can fill out one of the templates there the APTA has made for you where you can just send an email. You can go to your legislator's own website and send them an email there. There's always an email me button. You could just donate some money to PT PAC to let other people go do these things for you. Let your money do the talking. Uh, but one of my favorite ways would be Twitter, right? So Twitter is free. Your legislator has an account. They're always there. You can follow them. You can like them. You can engage with their tweets. Um, just yesterday here in New York City, you know, speaking of legislators, I heard that Mayor Bill de Blasio, he had to stand in line to go do early voting for three hours and he was complaining his back was hurt. And so I sent him a little tweet saying maybe he needs some physical therapy. So, you know, they're always on Twitter and you can send them a message anytime you want. Uh, you could always also send them a message asking them to co-sponsor bills. I send out tweets to them doing that all the time. But one of the amazing things that I love about Twitter is you find like-minded individuals, you support them, you amplify their message, and, you know, you can kind of collaborate with people on advocacy there. Um, some other ways is that your member of Congress generally has virtual town halls these days, and they will post it on Twitter or Facebook, usually only a day or two before, so you have to kind of watch out for that. But you can attend the virtual town hall, and you can make comments, and you can ask questions. I've been to several of my members of Congress town halls, and I ask them questions. I ask them about the 9% cut. That's something I, will you support, you know, revoking this 9% cut? Those are the questions that I put in there. So, you know, lots of ways that you can do the armchair advocacy. And can you also talk a little bit about the key contact programs? So there's key contact programs. I know for APTA as a whole, we're both part of the private practice section. They have key contacts. So what exactly is that and how can someone get involved if, they're, if they want? Yeah, so APTA has, good point, APTA has key contacts. And basically what a key contact is, it sounds a little bit more involved than it is. It just means that you're going to be that liaison to your member of Congress, that you're going to basically try to let them know what it is physical therapy does, and you're going to ask them to co-sponsor our bills. So the ask is, and you can be an APTA key contact, and if you're a member of the private a practice section, you could be a PPS key contact, and you can be a key contact for both APTA and uh, PPS if you're a member of PPS. So what you would do is 
whenever there's a bill coming out, like say there's going to be something coming out about the 9% cut, you would get an email from the key contact email list or from the PPS key contact email list. And it would just say, send this email. And they generally give you a template. You could just copy and paste and you could send them the email on their website. You could send them a tweet, you could call the office. It's basically just asking your member of Congress to uh, support our legislative agenda and our bills. And um, you would do that you know, through those pushes. And then in August, we have August recess when uh, the members of Congress, your Senator and your house person comes home to the district to do district work. And generally we ask you to try to get a meeting with them either on phone or zoom or in person, you know, before COVID uh, to ask them to co-sponsor some of our bills then. So it's, you know, really a big push in August for those August recess meetings, but throughout the year, it's just the little pushes for the current bills that are going on. So it really doesn't take that much time. And how successful are the, is the key contact program? It's very successful because the whole point is, good point, I forgot to mention this, most you know members of Congress, if I called up your member of Congress, he is not gonna be so interested in me because I'm not a constituent. That's the magic word. I don't vote for him. So yeah, he will care what I say, but his ears are not gonna perk up as much as if you called because you are a constituent. So that's what key contacts are. They are a voting member in that person's district, AKA constituent. And so then the member of Congress cares more and they will listen more closely to that person. So you become that link, that voting constituent between the physical therapy profession and your member of Congress. And it's been very successful. We've had a lot of people sign on to bills, you know, currently with the uh, 9% cut, I forget how many people signed on recently to a congressional letter, but it was the most that we've ever had. It was, I think, a couple hundred. And, um, you know, hopefully that's something that we can get overturned. And, and that's because the key contacts reached out to their member of Congress to ask them to sign on to this congressional letter. Yeah. So uh, for me, what I'm getting out of this talk is that there's so much happening behind the scenes to advocate for our profession and advocate for our patients that I think a lot of people don't realize. And if you wanna make a change, then you have to let your voice be heard and advocating for the profession, whether you're a key contact or you're sending a, a template letter that you can easily get on the app is such a great way to get involved. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of money. And it's a way to help advocate for the profession and push us forward. So, you know, it sounds cliche, but like you, you want to be the, what is it? You want to, the change you want to be in the world or something like be that. The change what? You yeah. see. <laughs> be the change you want to see in the world. So if you're not in it, then, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to mention is that APTA has something called the Advocacy Network. If you just Google APTA Advocacy Network, it will take you to that link. Sign up for that newsletter. Basically, that is part of the Advocacy Army, and you will get all of the breaking news alerts of what's going on, and they will send you, you know, literally a template that you could just fill out. We have this thing called Voter Voice, which it's just an automatic template. You input your name and address, and you can fill that out, and you send a letter to your member of Congress. So sign up for the Advocacy Network. That way, you'll always know what's going on. I, I am in a lot of Facebook groups, and I see people upset and complaining, and I understand. I used to feel the exact same way, but they are 
some uninformed and don't know what's going on. So join the network, know what's going on. You know, I always say one of my things is that I firmly believe the bigger voice, the bigger impact. If we can get a bigger collective voice, we already have a pretty big one, but let's make it louder, you know, and let's, let's make more of an impact and see real change because legislatively is the only real way to make the system different. Absolutely. And I was going to say, what, you know, as we start to wrap things up, what do you want people, what's the message that you want to leave for the listeners? But I think you just said it. Is there anything <laughs> you want to add to that? Yeah, join the advocacy network. And honestly, I would say, you know, don't be afraid of Twitter and come on Twitter because you can, we can build the army because when other, when you say something on Twitter and then you can amplify each other's message and then it kind of catches on and people, people, you know, get more informed and you can spread the message. So being able to amplify and spread the message is important too. Awesome. And now before we leave, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone, and that's knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad, fresh out of physical therapy school? I would say get good at what you do, your skills of being a PT. That was really important to me at first, but don't forget the professional aspect of it. That was something that I was lacking. And I think that, you know, recently I was also featured in an article for APTA on burnout that just came out last week. And I think that that was one piece I was lacking. And being involved professionally in advocacy and not just, you know, becoming a super PT and good at my hands, but having that professional aspect, I think also does help prevent burnout because you, you see that there's a bigger mission and you see that there's something beyond yourself and you're fighting for that bigger mission and you feel part of the community. And I think it's important. Awesome. Great advice. Now, where can people find you? Where, what, sure. where are you on Twitter? You mentioned it a couple of <laughs> times and then give us all the info. So of course I'm on Twitter. It's Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, Marco, M-A-R-K-O, P-T. And then I'm also on uh, Instagram, Dr. Teresa Marco. And I have a Facebook page, Marco Physical Therapy. And LinkedIn too. You can find me there, Teresa Marco. Perfect. Very easy. Very easy. Very easy. So listen, if anyone has any questions, they want clarification on advocacy. Teresa is your go-to person. So I encourage you to follow her on social media to reach out with any questions because she will get back to you. So Teresa, thank you so much for coming on and giving us such a succinct and informative episode on advocacy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And a big thank you to Teresa. So hopefully now everyone has some good action items that they can add to their list to become advocates for physical therapy. And of course, thank you to NetHealth for sponsoring today's podcast. They have created the Redoc Patient Portal, which provides a secure line of communication between you and your patients, conduct virtual visits, and have follow-up conversations with your patients via secure messaging when it's convenient for you. Patients have 24-7 secure on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voice messages. To learn more, contact them at Redoc, that's R-E-D-O-C, at nethealth.com. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.